One of the experiences of my life, these 70 years thus far, is the ease of birth. For me, I remember a great deal of the way in which God has composed me to exist and then to be conceived and to be born and the last moment and this moment we're sharing here and the next moment for you and for me. <clears throat> so eternity and time, history or past, present, in the direction of the future, into eternity is harmonious for me. Time is part of my home. And I hope in this class, this retreat of the summer of 2023, we are able to allow you the respite, the rest within your own being and heart and life to allow eternity and time to be home for you also, beside me or beside your loved ones, your ancestors, those to come. So that <clears throat> within your heart of hearts, within the great mystery, so far beyond what any of us can understand or perceive mentally or within our characters or emotions or bodies, yet we, we have an essential experience of it as life. <clears throat> we are of the mystery. Why are we so frightened of it? Well, because in the next moment I might die or you might or you might do something to me or I might do something to you. And then we spin off into a chaos that is not part of what is real. It is when we fail to allow the essence of respecting who you are, who I am, who we are ensemble together of that. When we allow this to exist between us, there's a beautiful phrase from the being Jesus or Yeshua who is ascribed to have said, when two or more are gathered in my name, there so am I. So if two of us are gathered and we allow the mystery of you, the mystery of me, the mystery of Jesus yet beyond him, historically, in the present moment, in the future. And we go to his mother, Mary. We go to Abraham and Sarah and Hagar, the two women with whom he bore sons. And we go to Lao Tzu or Confucius and the women who were their mothers or their spouses or their children. We begin to allow home to be a place 
respecting the mystery. <clears throat> and in our heart of hearts, in our souls, in our lives, the very cells of our body, we begin to find where two or more are gathered in my name, in the trees, the forests, the plants, and the elements, from semi-precious stones to a flat stone gathered from the lake of my conception and birth in western New York State, to the firmament of earth, here where I am quietly sitting in this late afternoon beside Blaine, who's recording this in northern Texas. And the whole earth, then, is in the mystery of the mystery. And I, this tiny being, safely dwelling upon her, Gaia, Mother Earth, within Father Sky, the atmosphere, you and I are allowed to breathe so that the next breath allows your life and mine. <clears throat> and we are gathered two or more in the name of all that God, he, she, that, source, absolute, taught. All that the Tao is, all that the Dharmakaya, the clear light of reality is, that which we've attempted to name as a direction from which we come, of which we are, to where we hope to be going, we begin to dwell within that home. I find that the word respect, the construct of spiritual etiquette is a very distant experience most of the days of this current era. Walking out into the world for me or addressing the news on our television or looking regarding it on a computer or in a newspaper, there is a great anxiety of predatory survival that has almost nothing to do with the present moment. And so there is an attempt to grasp the cosmos. It's mine. No, it isn't. It's mine. And we have competitions over prom gowns and containers to carry water among refugees and who to blame when a boat sinks off the coast of Greece. Who didn't do enough? Whose fault is it? Who's going to pay for this? And yet, the lives of every person from the homeland the refugees were sailing from in northern Africa to the fishing boats which saw them on the sea. Oh, look at all the refugees on that boat. It's too many to the authorities who 
tried to communicate to board to help them and were turned back because the captain and uh, people on the boat didn't want to be arrested, so they refused the help for, I believe, two to three days. And then to the officials in Greece who rescued people but didn't rescue enough, whose fault is it? And we go out attempting to possess, without respect, the body of God. And there is a caved-in feeling within our heart of hearts because what we call holy is not living in that gap of our hatred, our neglect, our insufferable vanity, and as I speak, the fires are burning in Canada. And I know people who have said, well, the Canadians, I can't believe they haven't gotten a handle on their fire. The arboreal forests in Canada are vast, exquisite. They are in Siberia. They are in parts of northern China and Norway, Finland. The northern forests are profound. They've always burned. My summers and my youth in Alaska, my late teens and early 20s, there would always be forest fires. And in several villages, <clears throat> people came and said to me, if it comes any closer, we, we will be, you know, removing you all from the village. And the villagers and we'll be heading in, out in boats on the Yukon or Planes will come in to get you before it becomes too bad. And I never had to be moved. My staff working with me, we never had to be moved. But we had to breathe in smoke. I watched the remarkable, adventurous, wise courage of well-trained and newly educated firefighters, some of whom were working only because it would render them such a large amount of money they could pay their entire autumn tuition for university. And I remember one fire where some of the young men were very worried to go out into it. They all came back safely, thank God. And they were entering the domain of the elements of the great mystery with their bodies and breath alive in the great mystery, as are you and I on this day. We are so blessed. We are so privileged to be alive. Beyond weapons of war, directed toward one another or received from one another. And yet we may have people who hate us or we may have people we are upset with. How can we live where this current moment, what Thich Nhat Hanh would so lovingly call the, this present moment. How can we live where, from our past of all we know and all we do not know, out of the mystery of our ancestry, my beloved grandmothers, my grandfathers, my great aunts and uncles, and the kin before them and before them and before them, known and unknown, out of the mystery and that which is known, how may I have adequate respect in the very center of my spiritual heart? 
so that as the next breath arises from the cells of my incarnation, just as it did from my mother's body out into this safe, blessed world the moment I was born, as were you, into the great mystery of the next moment that comes from the Holy of Holies. Such love, the ecstatic perfection of truth, of whom I am a respectful student always. I am not truth. I don't experience that you are truth. I experience that there is truth. And we are the students of that on this earth to practice in prayer and life how to become of heaven, of the Holy of Holies in this breath and the next breath and the next breath so that the self-evident gesture of your life is so respectful that who you are becomes realized, awakened, a Buddha in practice, a saint in prayer, a sage in intention. The virtuous then arises through all that you are. And if you died in the next moment, there would be heaven on earth through you. Why would you do anything but that? Ever, anywhere, always, everywhere. This is the path. The quality of embodying this principle of respect is not difficult. However, in that very center of one's spiritual heart, it requires your response to the great mystery, to God, however you name him or her or that, whether it's beyond an ability to say in words because you're reverent, that the state is beyond anything you can articulate, or whether you're a secular humanist and say, I don't really want to speak of God, I just see it so desecrated, I know there's something out there, but I don't know what to call it. So I go, okay, then the universe, the cause, the cosmos, the entirety of it, more vast than you can understand, out of that secular name. Or in a Vedantic sense from Hinduism of beyond that which could be named. Something impersonal, including the personal self, but larger than that. Or a personal sense of God. The way a, a person working with bhakti yoga in Hinduism or devotional yoga thinks, is the Lord cool or warm? Does she need a shawl? Does he need my prayer? The idea that there's a personal form so one can feel of the essence of God. Oh, I, the human being, am like the child of God. Whatever the nature is of your language for remembering where you come from, being 
who you are, being that which you truly are, that which you are in truth. Praying and practicing in the direction of eternity in this moment, from the last moment into this moment, into eternity. There is a quality of your freedom. You can allow in your heart of hearts, that spiritual domain, the very center of your spiritual heart, it's often thought of as in the chest area, the center to the upper area of the chest, in the soul. You can allow fully the mystery of the divine now, or you can have what I call the tantrum. Not now, not yet. Why would you do that? It's kind of the most foolish thing in the world to do that, but you have the freedom to just not be who you are or why you're here, and in it, create violence against the entire universe and all of the earth and all beings upon the earth, and you're, including yourself if you feel like it. So then you think, well, I, you know, I, I, I could, you know, I could, I go, oh, and I just walk right through you. I don't mean that disrespectfully of you. I just go, that which you're having the tantrum about, like, we're just moving right through it. The sequoia trees, the clouds, climate change, dying fishes, elephants crying out to mankind, please help. The truth in us all is striving to realize eternity now, here upon the earth, beautifully, lovingly, beyond all violence, so that every gesture of your breath into the cells of your body, enacting heaven on earth, is part of you aware, oh, Oh, this human being of heaven on earth, a tree to the arboreal north, an iceberg or an aspect of the ocean to the far south, the sunrise of tomorrow, God willing, to the east, the sunset of that splendid day, that resplendent sun warming us enough to live here as mammals, as human beings, to the West. In the very center of my heart of hearts, the very center of my soul, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then the quality of respect is our free will allowing us to co-create with that great one, with the creator, with source, father, mother, God, the vastness. Oh, I understand as child of truth. Oh, I am studying truth willingly. What shall you be in the next breath and I be in the next breath as we embody this practice of remembering home heaven, here on earth, from that moment when you or I were conceived 
of heaven here on earth, born of heaven here on earth, moving fully alive into this current moment and the next one of heaven on earth. I turn towards several um, qualities of what I'm working with and as a human being here, books which have been presented to me through my relationships with different people, some of whom I've known for many, many years, uh, some more recently, and to several programs which are possible in music or in film, the film world. Um, some people will have easy access to these, some will not. If you do, I would recommend them. If not, I would recommend that you turn towards something that allows you as safely as possible, a study of grace, of the sacred, of where you are unafraid of God, so that the graceful nature of beautiful life, like the color of a bird's feather, is just as splendid in the color within your heart. The beauty of your eyes, the nature of your skin, the ability or inability of the muscles of your body. So I turn to several ideas from film. I'll begin with film. There is a four-part series made in 2020 or released then about four surgeons. It's uh, released on Netflix. It may be available in other forms. And it is a quality of four different surgeons expressing themselves as human beings who had lives that were quite intense when they were younger. And then it would seem all of a sudden their lives entered falling in love with the surgeon's cut. And the universe began moving through them so that very specific, sophisticated work is articulated through them in gestures which transform the challenges in the human bodies of other people. So that in these surgeons, they face another person, and where two or more gathered in the name of the divine, whatever we call this in our religious or cultural traditions, the miraculous, as heaven on earth, is transferred through the physician and patient, the patient and physician. Observing the program, I as a deep contemplative who's very comfortable with spiritual experiences would stop and sort of, my breathing would change, observing one of the surgeons scrubbing down to prepare for surgery. The light moving through him was so profoundly present that it was just inextricably bound to the film and me as the viewer as he addressed a patient through whom heaven moved in the body of the patient the many people supporting the surgeon. I don't know how many people were in the operating theater with 
with him. And we include women with her, with that person, not on the film, but out there in the world, currently doing the same for another human being. What do we call that space between the doctor and the patient, the nurse and the doctor, the patient and the nurse? I would call that home. Oh, truth. In prayer and practice, through this surgeon and that surgeon and this one and that one, different faiths, different cultures. And so when our attention is turned respectfully, everything we are to be and do becomes self-evident, unfrightening, not causing our death unnaturally at some point when we die. Hopefully it will be natural. But even if I were receiving an enemy's weapon right now, I'm really not in relationship to his hatred or her, her jealousy. I'm really praying for them to remember God, to allow the operating theater of these great souls on the earth safety with me as their younger or older sister or godmother or neighbor beside them. I would love the whole human race to be in that operating theater of the Lord. So I'll turn to Mother Teresa's work, who I got to meet her once many years ago when she was alive. And I have several letters she wrote to me over the years, which are very meaningful. And a group of people went, was privileged to take a group of people up into Nepal and uh, parts of China and Tibet and across northern India. The year 2000 in the summertime and we ended the journey stopping at Mother Teresa's house for the dying and I told the different people there were about 20, 20 to 25 people would they like to have the day off to go through parts of Calcutta and to do some exploring uh, they could do whatever they'd like to do for me I was going to go to Mother Teresa's house for the dying and work caretaking the people at the said I had arranged it with the Mother Superior sometime before from across the sea. And there's a beautiful temple of Kali right there, which I actually know from before this lifetime. I remember the temple. So for people who believe in reincarnation, I used to go to that temple. For people who go, you couldn't remember that. I go, well, I, I know that temple and it's very, very, very important and sentimental to me. And Whatever it is that I know of the temple in space and time, it's just a way that I remember heaven on earth, receiving heaven on earth at that temple, praying to heaven from earth at that temple due to sickness of myself and others. So looking right from the temple across the street is the beautiful, very modest house for the dying. So it was personally, intimately 
beyond anything I can say in the mystery of God, to go to this place that I know across time and space. No weapons received or you know, threatening others, but just gestures of going to the temple, receiving willingly, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Two or more in my name, you and I, all of humanity, Mother Teresa, all of the work she's ever done, and any person studying holiness in India, Albania, which was her place of birth, or anywhere in the world, and including my own family and myself. So at the end of our work with the dying, which was very tender and beautiful, humble, real, we were invited to go to the mother house and attend the mass of the sisters. It was not as large as it is today in the film. It, there are many more nuns than there were at the time when we were there. It was wonderful to see that. But we came into this, you know, the beautiful small uh, sanctuary where where their their daily mass was offered by a priest for them. And Mother Teresa's grave is right there. It's uh, covered in a in a marble uh, sarcophagus and right on the floor as if she were just laying there or sitting there with everyone else praying. And so it's just etched in my soul. I came and sat next to it. And at two or three points, th these are very private memories, but I think that as an elder now, it behooves me to respect several elders who've asked that we tell stories that help find our way. Human beings are storytellers and we learn through watching how our mother sews something or puts a band-aid on our hand or addresses anything. We hopefully safely follow her to remember heaven on earth. I, I surely did. I'm so privileged to have had such a mother. And so <clears throat> these stories of how one might practice in prayer and life. So at several points during the Mass, where there's very deep offering of oneself, very deep dedication, I would just be so moved I couldn't help but put my hand across onto the stone so that when Kyrie eleison, the only prayer in Greek in the Mass, it's very old, it never is translated forward. I mean, it can be one says, Lord, have mercy, Christ have mercy, but it goes back to one of the older languages of the early Christian traditions. So it's very beautiful to hear the Kyrie eleison. My hand just quietly went over and lay on the sarcophagus. Then I would put it back on my lap. And then a quality of uh, offering a quality of when bread was offered to God in the sense of the being Jesus to whom Mother Teresa was eminently de dedicated, my hand would simply go back that she and I, wherever she would be, remembered who she is out of eternity, who she is now, 
who I was in that July of 2000 in Calcutta, who you and I are now, who Mother Teresa is now, be offered, be allowed, be beyond all weapons in respect for the form of prayer of her incarnation as Mother Teresa and of mine and my ancestry in this incarnation. So the beautiful films of the surgeon's cut, one of the doctors, one of the physicians is a gentleman who is a Hindu man by his manner of prayer and practice. But he goes to the same chapel and goes and says a prayer at the same sarcophagus of Mother Teresa. Who are we, you, the surgeon, Mother Teresa, and I? We are the poorest of the poor. We are orphaned from heaven, and yet we are completely of that quality where two or more are gathered in my name. So even in our solitude, we can turn to that quality and willingly have the respect Father, Mother, God, you and I are gathered in that name. And the two of God and oneself become one. You and God, myself and God. And the next breath then becomes the practice of the Holy of Holies from the Ark of the Covenant to the Tao of the Waterfall Flowing or the deities and aspects of grace moving through the great trees of Japanese forests and Shinto shrines. It moves through us, and the cells of our body know how to represent being a cup of the grail in the direction of holiness, respectfully lived. No threat to anything about the soul of any other human being but rather holy family. And everything in the way of our understanding this comes to the surface that we might respectfully address this with an adequate spiritual etiquette as human beings. I turn also to the beautiful film A River Runs Through It, directed by Robert Redford, who's now in his 80s. It's from a book written by Norman McLean, whose father told him he was a man from Montana who became a professor at the University of Chicago. His, his father was a Christian minister in Montana who asked his son, would you please at some time write the story of our family? So McLean wrote a novella, a short novel, or a long short story called A River Runs Through It which Redford then made into a film. And I've talked about this before in classes. At the very end of the film, there's an elder gentleman standing in a stream fly fishing, as my beloved father used to do. I still have my father's uh, very, very brittle fly rod, which is one of my treasures. From my going fishing with him as a little girl. And there at the end of Redford's film is Norman McLean himself, the son of the minister, 
who wrote the family's story, fly fishing. And in the next few months, Norman McLean died. But breath to breath, through his father, the minister, his son, Norman McLean, and then to his son, John McLean, who I believe is still alive and lives in Montana or Chicago. He's uh, been a journalist for many years in Chicago and then has written several books about firefighting up in the Idaho and Montana and Wyoming and Canada. And so John McLean wrote a book called Home Waters in the last few years, telling more deeply the story of his father and his father's brother the light pouring in from heaven into his family, the shadow of the places where it was not yet known and caused tragic lessons through his family, yet realizations in prayer and practice of the direction of grace, whether through the forests, the churches, the cities, the love of family, the fly fishing. So within your heart of hearts, I promise you, you will have something from your family of ancestry in your sentiment that knows exactly the direction through which you can remember and breathe and pray and practice toward heaven from eternity through all of your ancestors and yourself with all of the elements around you of the plants and animals, the fire, the air, the earth, the water, so that you have the willing courage. Oh, God, you who made me, however I think of you, you made me as a creature of truth that I willingly now respectfully turn with my own spiritual etiquette according to my age, my language, my ways generationally and culturally. I will always know what to do beyond all violence to remember you and to respectfully represent you and seek you in every other human being. Take a breath, we pray and practice in respect, with spiritual etiquette, from eternity, next breath, into eternity, everywhere, always.